Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. And hello, everyone from the heart of America, Columbia, Missouri. This is Tony Richards and Chief Producer Bill Foster. Hello. On the show most voted to, better than before. <laughs> <laughs> we were voted most likely to. What does that mean? Well, just I guess it means we're most likely to do anything. Oh, nice. Because usually it's most likely to succeed, <laughs> most likely to uh do something and we're just most likely to <laughs> thank you for joining us our show of course drops here every tuesday of course it's also available uh, on our website clearvisiondevelopment.com along with the archives of all of our previous shows i was just talking to somebody a day before yesterday who had listened to all our shows wow that's and, great uh, they were like that april fool's sh show i'm like oh my gosh that was that was in last of March, first of April. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's good that people are finding us and they're listening to us and uh, giving us that great feedback. And speaking of that, you can give us a review, uh, and we would like to have 55-star reviews, and we're on the road to achieving that. And uh, for those of you who have done that, thank you. And for those of you who haven't, we'd like to ask you. That would be a great Christmas present for us if you'd, if you'd do that. And also, I got a special announcement. We're going to be joining the C-Suite Radio family of shows. So the C-Suite Radio Network is going to start picking up our program, and uh, that's kind of cool, and we'll have more details about that uh, coming up for 2019. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they're going to put us out there, Bill. They're going to promote us and talk about us to all these C-Suites out there that need to hear what we got to say. Fantastic. So. Yeah. And uh, if you're searching for a gift for that perfect leader uh, on your list who likes to read, you might consider my book, The Big Idea. It's perfect for that special person on your Christmas list who needs a leadership uh, piece of material. And uh, you can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. You can also get it here at the Clear Vision office at 20 East Southampton Drive, Columbia, Missouri. Uh, if you'd like a digital copy that you can download, you can do that at Amazon for your Kindle. And uh, if you have a Nook, you can use Barnes & Noble for that. And if you're interested in listening to it, if you're more a audio learner than a visual learner, you can download it at our Clear Vision website. A big idea. 52 ways to be a better leader now with uh, 52 lessons and exercises for you. So you can get that and work through that every week in 2019. And I guarantee you something about your whole life will improve. So what do we got in the news headlines this week? Well, Apple... It's been struggling lately, at least in the market, but uh, they are planning a new wave of new sites. They're going to plan to build a new $1 billion campus in Austin, Texas. So they're going to bring thousands of jobs to Austin, while they're also going to set up brand new large offices in Seattle, San Diego, and L.A., this will be their third Austin campus, 
and it will be able to support 5,000 additional employees with the ability to grow to 15,000. Uh, it's also expanding operations in Pittsburgh, New York, Boston, Portland, Oregon, and Boulder, Colorado, and leaving open the possibility of finding other places in the U.S. to open significant sites. The bottom line here is Apple is more than fulfilling its pledge to create jobs and expand domestic operations. Remember the tax cuts that President Trump gave and he wanted to see in reinvestment? The criticism was, well, they're just going to buy back their own stock or they're going to pay it out in dividends to the shareholders. It isn't going to mean anything. Well, what have we seen? We've seen increases in wages, especially in per hour workers. And now look at what Apple's doing uh, building uh, more locations and adding more jobs. The goal that it had in January of 2018 was it wanted to add 20,000 jobs in the United States by 2023. That's great. Very happy about my Apple stock, even though it's gone down about 20% in the last couple of weeks. I still, I'm in that for the long term. Right. Yeah, it'll turn around. Bitcoin is not going to zero. Mike Novogratz, former Goldman Sachs partner and hedge fund manager, made and lost a fortune on Bitcoin. He's undeterred by his loss, however. He tells Bloomberg Businessweek that even though we're a long way from the sense of inevitability when Bitcoin was on its way to 20000 that was a drug, he said. And I don't take that lightly. When you're in the speculative market and the mania hits you, testosterone is boiling over and there's a lot of greed. The audience is more sober now. The drug is worn off and gone. And if anything, we're on the other side at the stage where there's pessimism and the fear and the, oh my God, it's going to be worthless. It's going to go to zero. But I'm confident it's not going to zero. We're at the methadone clinic at the moment. Interesting. So I'm going to show off my ignorance. What exactly is Bitcoin? It's a currency that's traded online. So it's a cryptocurrency. Um, it's not a fiat cu currency like uh, countries that have debt against it or that it's represented by some value, the faith and good credit of the United States. It's based on whatever anybody will pay for it. That's the value of it today. Okay. So, and so how do they make money? Well, they make money based on the amount of people. It's like what he was saying, the amount of people who want to invest in it, mm -hmm. that's how it's going to okay. go up. So if they get more people investing in it, then whatever you bought it at, it goes up or down. You either make money or lose money based on the amount of people who will actually believe in it and invest in it. Okay. So if you invest in it, is there any kind of return other than... It's not a business. It's not anything you can look at and see how it makes money. It's simply based on whether or not people make it popular. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just haven't been able to wrap my brain around it. That, that helps a lot. Um, I don't know if you heard about the, the tulip deal. No. Right? So back, I don't know if it was the 1700s or the 1800s, but all of a sudden everybody decided that tulips were valuable. Okay. And so they all invested in tulips, sending the price of tulips super high. And then there was a run on tulips and everybody sold. Uh -huh. And the people who sold made money and everybody else went bankrupt because mass hysteria hit. And a bunch of people decided, this is crazy. <laughs> and the people who didn't think it was crazy lost all their money. Mm. It's kind of like a lawsuit. 
I'm going to hire my lawyer. You're going to hire your lawyer. And we're going to keep raising the fees until one of us decides this is crazy and we quit. (laughs) It's like the old joke in Urban Cowboy. Did you ever see that movie? It's been a while, but I have. John Travolta says, you know, how do you become a bull rider? He says, put a bunch of marbles in your mouth. And every time you go ride the bull, you throw one of the marbles away. And then when you've lost all your marbles, that's when you're a bull rider. (laughs) And that's kind of like Bitcoin. You know, if whoever comes to their senses first probably wins. Gotcha. And says, this is crazy. And they sell. And so a lot of people sold, which meant it went from 20,000 to like 5,000. And those who stayed in it and thought this is going to stop at some point, not going to zero, they got courage (laughs) and still they've got faith it's going to come back and more people are going to believe in it again right and that's an oversimplified explanation i'm sure somebody who's a lot smarter about it could tell you but that's my perception of bitcoin um here's kind of a sad story the boy scouts may file for bankruptcy boy scouts of america is considering filing for bankruptcy protection as it faces dwindling membership and escalating legal costs related to lawsuits over how it handled allegations of sex abuse this is in the wall street journal and uh, leaders of the boy scouts have hired the law firm sidley austin llp for assistance with a possible chapter 11 bankruptcy filing This is not unusual as other organizations facing similar legal pressure have also turned to bankruptcy protection. More than 20 Catholic dioceses and religious orders have filed for Chapter 11 to negotiate payouts to thousands of victims. And last week, USA Gymnastics filed for bankruptcy as it faces lawsuits from decades-long sexual abuse by the national team's former doctor, Larry Nasser. Robert Caro. Have you ever heard of Robert Caro? No, I haven't. Robert Caro is an author who's written uh, four books on Lyndon Johnson. He's written other books too, but he says his next book is not going to be about Lyndon Johnson. So that's disappointing to people who are fans of that series. He says, researching, interviewing, writing to be published by Alfred A. Knopf in April. His new book combines personal reflections and professional guidance as Caro looks back on his history as a writer and reporter. He began writing about President Johnson in the mid-70s and over the decades has built a large and obsessive following, somehow keeping readers in suspense as he were writing installments for a novel. This book... Uh, creates previous lectures and interviews, but also some new material. In the introduction, the 83-year-old writer, Robert Caro, writes that the 240-page working is not a full-length memoir, which he still hopes to write. Here we have some scattered, almost random glimpses for a few encounters I've had while doing research on Robert Moses and Lyndon Johnson books, encounters both with documents and with witnesses. Caro does have disappointing news for those who are waiting for the next Johnson book. He says we are several years away from completion. The fourth Johnson biography he released called Passage of Power came out in 2012 and ended in the initial months of Johnson's presidency after the assassination of John F. Kennedy. The fifth book, which we are still years away from getting, is expected to cover the rest of his time in the White House, which he left in 1969 and continued to his death four years later. 
I've always wanted to read that series of books, and I, I just have never gotten to it. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with it, but now that you have talked about it, it sounds very interesting. Well, if you see them, like in Barnes & Noble on the shelf, they're pretty large. Like you said, the four books go through his presidency. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not had a chance to, to read those, because I, I, I'm pretty sure I'd want to read them in succession, and that that's probably at least a two- or three-month deal. Well, it sounds like a uh, television miniseries in the making. Uh, HBO did a movie. Oh, did they? Yeah, about a year and a half ago. And uh, the Breaking Bad guy, he played Lyndon Johnson, did a fabulous job. Okay, well, um, who doesn't like pizza? The pizza pies on display at your typical New York shop are larger than the ones that the shops give customers to take home. This was a story in the New York Post. Eventually, the pizza guy gave me the larger pie, and guess what? It didn't fit into the standard size box. It was a house pie, typically sold by the slice, not a whole pizza to go. Those pizzas you take home are 16 inches, and the ones they sell slices on are 20 inches. To save you the math, let's say a full pizza costs $15, which is probably the typical pizza price these days. And a slice of pizza goes for $2.50. Then there are typically eight pieces in a pizza. So a pie that's sold by the slice is worth $20. The 16-inch pizza is just under 201 square inches. And the 20-inch pie is 314 square inches. So one slice of the eight-piece 16-inch pie is 25.12 square inches. And a piece of the 20-inch pie is 39.25 square inches. So you're paying $0.07 per square inch for the smaller pizza and only $0.06 per square inch for the larger pizza. Sounds like somebody has a lot of time on their hands. (laughs) So typically... It's a better bargain to go to the pizza shop in New York and order eight single pieces of pizza than a full pizza because you'd be getting 56% more pizza for only 33% cost. I just thought it was interesting, so thought I'd pass it along because we're right here at the stat of the podcast. Yeah, well, now I'm hungry. Here's the stat of the podcast. Consumers are repelled by worn-out money and want to get rid of it. People who were given worn-out $20 bills spent 82% more of the money than consumers who were given four crisp $5 bills, reversing the expected denomination effect, which typically leads people to spend less from larger denomination bills. This is from the University of Winnipeg and the University of Galoof, both in Canada. People tend to be disgusted by worn-out bills and want to get rid of them because of presumed contamination from other people, the researchers found. Do you do that? If you have larger bills, do you tend not to spend them versus smaller ones? You know, I don't carry cash that much anymore, so I'm probably a poor example. Well, I travel a lot, so I do carry it because... You just never know. I mean, it's getting smaller and smaller because they don't handle your bags very much at the airport anymore. And you were tipping the Uber guy on your app. You're not doing it like you did in a taxi. But when I get to the hotel, most of the time, they still have people that want to help you up to your room and they want to get your bags and carry them and those kinds. So, and, and I always like to leave something for the housekeeping. So I want to have some money on hand to do that. Other than that, 
I don't yeah. have that much of a reason. If I have a larger bill, I have noticed I typically try to hang on to it as long as possible. So uh, coming up on the show, I'm going to give you 15 time killers that are hurting you in your life and career. What are those 15 things that just suck out all the time that you could be using to be productive doing something else? And then also, we're going to talk again about that strategic time that I've recommended that you carve out for yourself. And I'm continuing giving you tips on how you can use that time every week to be productive. And today I'm going to tell you to build your intellect. So 15 time killers coming up and some thoughts on building your intellect coming up on Better Than Before. And it's sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here, University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. We know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and in this segment, I'm going to give you 15 time killers 15 things that suck your time away because we don't want to deal with it or we're not prepared for it or uh, we're not very good at it or several different reasons why these 15 things suck the very time right out of our schedules and right out of our professional lives and personal lives. Over the years, I've modified this list to include new techniques and technology. For years, I taught an original list of 13 to all my managers, and now I teach this modified list to my clients and my workshop participants because none of us can afford to waste any time since we always seem to have less of it for each minute we live. Unfortunately, the clock is winding down, not up, and we need to make sure we invest our time wisely. And as I've told you many times, I do not believe in managing time. So I don't teach any time management classes. I only teach you management classes because the only thing that is equal in this world among human beings is that we all have the same amount of time. And it's how we invest ourselves into it 
that's really, really important. In many cases, with the time killers I'm going to give you now, we end up spending more and more each time we use one or more of them. And you might even be able to add to or improve upon my list that I'm about to give you here. So let's start with number one, interruption by others. You're working hard on a project or you're really in the zone and you're really feeling it. And then all of a sudden, somebody just comes into your office uh, somebody just walks in uninvited and they got what's uh, notoriously known as the got a minute meeting. And it's like, got a minute, got a minute. And so, um, and this one ties in very closely with number two also, by the way, which is the inability to say no. So uh, with interruption by others, you have to just be very, very Zen-like over your behavior and your time. And there's nothing wrong with giving some time to somebody if you have it to spare. If you don't have it to spare, though, you do have to tell them, I can't, uh, and, and then get back. However, I will tell you that, and, and maybe you've never experienced this, but uh, being a former athlete uh, and then also somebody who does work out from time to time, when somebody comes up, when you're in the middle of working out and they stop you from working out, how difficult is it to start working out again? It's very difficult. Or you're getting ready to hit a golf ball and someone says something to you right before you do it and you have to do your whole process again to get set to hit the ball. So sometimes when you're in the middle of a project or you're in the middle of work you're doing, if somebody interrupts you, you have to reset the mechanism all over again and get back to the place you were. So you know, I highly recommend keeping your door shut. I highly recommend locking your door, putting your phone on do not disturb, whatever you have to do. And number two, as I already mentioned, is inability to say no. I mean, many times we just say yes to too many things and we end up overcommitted and we end up with competing commitments. We end up saying yes to things that are competing uh, with each other for our time, focus, and attention. And it's our own fault because we should have said no and we said yes. And so I like to tell people that every time you say yes, everything else gets a no. If I only have $5 in my pocket, I can only spend $5, right? Well, if I give five minutes to something, I can't give it five minutes to something else that five minutes is spoken for or that 10 minutes is spoken for or that hour is spoken for and when you commit too much then you overcommit and you don't actually have the amount of time left in your sack it's going to take to do all the things you said yes to so we all need to get better at saying no uh, to people and I know there's a fear of conflict there for some folks, and there's also a fear of damaging a relationship or whatever. But if you don't deliver on what you said yes to, you're going to have conflict and you're going to damage the relationship because you're going to let somebody down or you're not going to do as good a job as you could have done if you would have said no. And a lot of times um, the way you can do that is you can say no and then give an alternative. Uh, do you have a minute to, to meet with me? No, but I can at two. Can you work on this project? No, but I could Friday. Uh, if you have an alternative kind of loaded up for your next available space, that is better than just saying yes uh, and, and getting overloaded. Number three, also closely associated with that one, is unrealistic deadlines. 
And a lot of times we say yes to things that we know are not realistic, but somehow we justify it in our heads and we think, well, I'll figure out some way to get it done. But you're not going to do your best job or your best have your best performance or uh, make the best decision or whatever it is if you don't have the proper amount of budgeted time uh, to do it. And I believe in challenging ourselves to always do things faster, quicker, and better. But you have to know where you are in your skill set and what else you have to do in order to commit to an unrealistic deadline. Or you have to propose something different to make it more realistic. Number four uh, is very close cousins with number one. Number one was interruption by others. Number four is lack of privacy. If you don't have the privacy to do the work you need to do, um, it just your whole thought process gets interrupted, and you get interrupted too many times, and you need to be able to uh, think. And, uh, you know, you, my grandmother used to say all the time that I'm, I'm so loud you couldn't hear herself think. And so, um, and, and some people are more susceptible to outside things than other people are. Um, some people are very good at being able to uh, close out the outside stimulus and other people just can't. And uh, so you got to do yourself a favor and get yourself a cone of silence so you can do what you need to do. Uh, number five is also a close cousin to number one, and it's interruption-based, but it's interruption by phone or smartphone. The smartphone is there to serve you. You are not there to serve the smartphone. So whatever uh, tech devices or whatever, you need to make sure you're managing them and they're not managing you. Number six is perfectionism. It's making things just a little bit better, more perfect when actually no one's going to be able to notice or tell the difference. It's not going to build any additional value into the project. It's just you striving over it and sweating over it and worrying about it and uh, trying to make it perfect. Unfortunately, it's a self-stigmatizing thing because nothing in this world is perfect. And most of the time, if it doesn't add 20% to the project or 20% value to the end result, it isn't worth it. I don't believe in, oh, that's good enough when it's not, but I also don't believe in overdoing it when it is good enough. And so you got to watch yourself because perfectionism can really get in your head. Number seven, searching for misfiled, mishandled, and misappropriated materials. When you know you had something, but now you just can't remember where you put it, you just can't remember what you did with it, uh, and you search for it, and you search for it, and search for it, that is a big time waster. It's better to put it where it goes the first time uh, than it is to just uh, stuff it somewhere, throw it somewhere, shove it into this file or shove it into that drawer. Uh, it's worth the extra amount of motion it takes you and energy it takes you to put it where it goes so you can easily find it when you need it rather than wasting all the time you waste trying to locate it or trying to find it. Number eight is the first cousin to number six perfectionism, and that's procrastination. 
And a lot of times procrastination is linked in some way to perfectionism because it's not going to be perfect, so I'm just going to put it off. Or I don't have all the information I need to get started when actually you do. Uh, I'm just going to put it off. Putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Well, I'm waiting to be inspired. I'm waiting for this person or that person. There's always something that you can do. Uh, It may not be exactly perfect as far as your starting place, but we can pretty much always start regardless. We can do something on the project even when we're waiting for things from other people. So those two, perfectionism and procrastination, are like beating yourself up both of your jaws, right? Each one on each side. Number nine is an emotional one, and that's fatigue and stress. When you're tired, when you're worried and stressed out, uh, this contributes to a lack of productivity and a waste of time because you feel stuck and you feel like you can't move forward and you feel like there are all these barriers in your way um, because your mindset is one of fatigue and stress. That, that, is, a, that is bad uh, for the productivity of the product, and it's also bad from a health perspective for you because especially as you get older, worry and uh, fatigue and stress will take years off your life. So 9 and 10 are fatigue, stress, and worry. So you have to find a way not to fret. You uh, have to, uh, what is that? Worry is interest borrowed on tomorrow's trouble. It just isn't, uh, it isn't worth it. And it doesn't change anything. Your, your fretting, your worry, your obsession, your stress, your fatigue, it doesn't change any actual thing. Uh, it just uh, hurts you. So, uh, and a lot of times, if it's caused by another person, if you're really motivated by control, one thing I always like to ask myself is, how long am I going to let this situation control me? Because I don't like being controlled. And so if another person is worrying me, another person is stressing me out, another person is causing me fatigue, I've given over control to that other person. So I like to ask, how long are you going to let this situation, how long are you going to let this person, how long are you going to let this item control you? When are you going to snap out of it? Because that is within your control. You can stop worrying right now if you decide to. Number 11 is writing emails, cards, letters, and reports, which is uh, close kin to perfectionism and procrastination. If you need to write an email, write it. If you need to send a card, send it. If you need to write a letter, uh, which not many people do anymore, but if you need to, write the thing. And don't worry about it being perfect. Worry about it just being effective. If you need to do a report, do it. Uh, Look at your notes and write the thing up. So many people just waste time on getting started or worrying about it or being fatigued over it. Uh, They read email from somebody else and it knocks them off their whole game for the day. If you decide you need some time before responding, decide exactly when that's going to be. If it's going to be tomorrow, respond tomorrow. If you need to sleep on it, sleep on it, but do it tomorrow. Don't push it back for a week or two weeks or whatever. Number 12 is badly handled meetings. 
People don't dislike meetings. They dislike bad meetings. I personally almost refuse every meeting I'm asked to go to if there's not an agenda. If I don't receive an agenda from the person who's having the meeting, then I politely decline because I want to know what we're going to be talking about. I don't want to sit there and have to process everything in the meeting on the fly and have to make decisions on the fly or have to answer questions on the fly. If it's worth having, it's probably important. So if it's important, then let's spend a few minutes mapping out the structure of the meeting, what we're going to talk about in as much detail as possible. That way I'll have time to think about it and process it and have some possible answers prior to coming to the meeting. Why wouldn't somebody do that, you might ask? Well, control. I mean, so if people want to control the meeting and they want to control what happens during the meeting, they'll try to keep the meeting uh, as secret as possible because they want to hit you with it, you know, and I just I just don't believe in that. And if you want me to come, you're going to have to send me an agenda. You send me the participants, who's going to be there, what needs to be decided, what needs to be discussed, what kind of meeting is it? Is it an informational meeting where I'm just going to be informed? Is it a training meeting where I'm going to learn something? Uh, is it a policy and procedure meeting where we're going to discuss how things are being done today and whether or not we want to continue doing them that way? What is the meeting about? What is the purpose? That way I can get into the frame of mind I need to get into before I come to the meeting. Number 13, not knowing how, when, or where to communicate. Not knowing how, so in other words, is it an email, is it a text message, is it a phone call? Not knowing when, is it, do I need to respond now? Is there a deadline to respond? You know, and where? Do I need to communicate at the office? Do I need to communicate? Do we need to have a meeting? Do we need to um, do a face-to-face? You know, how, when, and where uh, are the specific things you need to know as far as communication is concerned? If you write me a text that is part 1 through 13, you probably should have just called me, you know, at that point. Um, because it, it's a at that point, it's a conversation. It's not a FYI. But if it's just an FYI, shoot me a text, right? Number 14, path of least resistance is a huge time killer. So instead of doing what's right or doing what's appropriate, We just do what's easiest. And a lot of times when we just do what's easiest, uh, it shows up later and we all have to get involved and we all have to go back and redo it and fix it. I love what Coach John Wooden of UCLA said. He goes, if you don't do it right the first time, when are you going to have time to do it right? So you got to go back a second and third and a fourth time. It would have been a lot easier. You would have had more uh, effective energy you would have had more effective time usage if we just would have covered it and, and, and completed it right the first time. And number 15, and uh, all executives suffer from the failure to delegate. Uh, not knowing what you can do yourself and not knowing what you should hand off to other people. Not knowing what your strengths are and then hiring the people who can compensate for your weaknesses and delegate those things with the proper authority 
and the proper responsibility and proper accountability, getting those three things lined out and be able to hand off that project, uh, that task, or whatever it is that you need to delegate to somebody else. Uh, the failure to do that and trying to do it all yourself is a huge energy consumption uh, problem and also uh, a huge time waster. So let's go through these again real quick here in this segment. Number one, interruption by others. Number two, inability to say no. Number three, unrealistic deadlines. Number four, lack of privacy. Number five, interruption by phone or smartphone. Number six, perfectionism. Number seven, searching for mishandled materials. Number eight, procrastination or putting things off. Number nine, fatigue and stress. Number 10, worry. Number 11, emails, cards, letters, and reports. Number 12, badly handled meetings. Number 13, not knowing how, when, or where to communicate. Number 14, path of least resistance or doing what's easiest, not, not doing what's right. And number 15, the failure to delegate things to others who can probably do them better than you, more effective than you, which frees you up to do the things that you're better at. Those are the 15 time killers, and uh, I am going to continue with our next segment on how to spend your strategic time, and I'm going to talk about building your intellect coming up next on Better Than Before. Hi, I'm Dave Drain. And I'm Dan Burks. And we're the owners of University Subaru. As a locally owned business, we care for our community. And we know how important it is to give back because this is our home. During the Subaru Share the Love event, get a new vehicle and Subaru will donate $250 to those in need. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, and we will always be here for you. Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to our show, Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and in this segment, we're going to talk about how to spend your strategic time. A couple of podcasts ago, I recommended that you take some time just for yourself and some time to think and gather your thoughts and do some strategy on yourself and cut out all outside stimulus, just you and your thoughts. Then I started talking about different ways that you could spend that time because we had a listener write in and and they verified, yes, this is difficult. Uh, what do I do during this time where I'm just you know, thinking. And uh, if prayer and meditation and some of those things are not things that you want to do or you want to vary it up, uh, last time we talked about building supportive professional and uh, personal relationships. This week, I'm going to talk about building your intellect. 
Have you ever felt locked out of a conversation? You know, people were talking about something and you didn't feel that you were equipped to contribute to the conversation or participate in the conversation. Uh, and this happens to me more and more as I get older. Sometimes it could just be a generational thing. Uh, either on your side, maybe you're talking about something that uh, somebody else can't relate to. And I almost spot that immediately. As a matter of fact, even in some of my seminars now uh, where I've used Seinfeld references for years and I'm using some references from Seinfeld, the audience is just looking at me like I might as well be talking about something from Mars or something. So you just have to be aware that it could be on your side or it could be from the other side. Uh, and it, this happens to me quite often when somebody talks about some singer or some pop star that's out today. And I, I just, uh, I just couldn't relate for, for example, and this is going to really, this, this is probably really going to reflect badly on me and date me, but I don't think I've ever listened to a Lady Gaga song. Uh, but Lady Gaga is in a movie that's out right now with Bradley Cooper. I was trying to, uh, was a star is born, I think. And I have seen the previous two uh, makes of the movie, the one uh, back in the 50s with James Mason and then the one in the 70s with Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand. Uh, I haven't gone to see the latest one. So having seen the movie, I know what the movie's about. I know how it ends, right? But I haven't seen Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga's version. So I YouTubed the trailer for the movie and I watched it and uh, I thought, well, this Lady Gaga seems like a pretty good actress, you know, so just trying to keep yourself relevant. And quite frankly, I should just, I mean, I have the package on iTunes where I can listen to any song that's on iTunes. So I just for my own growth, I should get on there and listen to some Lady Gaga just to grow myself and just to grow my intellect because Outside of that movie and that movie trailer, I could not, or maybe a Super Bowl appearance, I could not talk intelligently with one of my younger colleagues who's talking about Lady Gaga. You know, so that's how it could be a generational thing on uh, the other side. Uh, it could be the subject is a foreign country. Uh, I was just in a meeting this morning with a client where uh, one of my clients is going to Europe. And so uh, being able to discuss that trip, being able to discuss those places and being able to discuss, you know, the things that might, you might be able to do there and having, a, having an enjoyable conversation about that uh, is a good thing. It could be about food. Uh, people like to talk about food and perhaps uh, you're not really up on food. You're not a foodie. You're not, you don't watch the food network. And so you might have difficulty participating in that conversation. Uh, it could be about museums in the United States and where's the best place to go see some art. And maybe you're not really up on museums and art. So it would be difficult for you to participate in that conversation. Maybe somebody brings up a historical figure uh, like Thomas Jefferson or Alexander Hamilton. You know, the play Hamilton has been the, huge the last couple of years. But maybe you haven't been able to participate in that discussion because you don't know anything about the play and you don't know anything about the historical figure. So that could be something that you'd want to learn about and build your intellect around. It could be sports. 
You ever have a conversation with somebody who's not a sports person? A lot of times they just say, well, I'm just not into sports. And it makes you feel badly that you've been there rattling on about something that the other person doesn't care about. So maybe if you want to be a more well-rounded person and you want to be able to discuss sports, maybe you know you learn about sports during your strategic time with yourself. Uh, it could be the arts. Like I said, it could be photography. Uh, it could be a lot of different type subjects. Think about how you want to develop yourself and your intellect. And that could be the whole uh, core of a strategic session with yourself that you set aside. If you set aside time every week to spend making yourself better and doing some thinking. Um, it, do, it doesn't necessarily have to require any formal academic education. Uh, there are so many research tools available to you. There's Wikipedia. There's the Internet. There's all these pieces of information where you can learn just about anything or at least have a cursory knowledge of just about anything that you might want to have in case somebody who's important to you or somebody that you are um, engaged with in a relationship that you can have some discussion points to talk about. And even if you educate yourself to the point where you ask good questions uh, of somebody that you know is an expert in that particular subject, you know you're not going to be on the same level with them on the conversation, but at least you can ask a couple of questions about things you've uh, noticed or read or heard about. Um, you know, you don't necessarily need to learn more about yourself if you learn more about the world around you, you can have better interaction with other people. Does it make sense to learn more about art or music or why some books are, are bestsellers and why other books are not? Here's the thing. When you're good at something and you're highly talented and everybody is, everybody that's a human being has a talent and they're good at something, it's like magic to other people. And vice versa. They just marvel at the abilities that you have. And so in order to engage in conversations with those people, you just need to know a little bit about what they do and what they're interested in. Um, you will definitely not be as knowledgeable as they are, especially in their subject area. But can you at least carry on a conversation with them about what it is that they are talented or what they do? What is it? that would make me a more well-rounded person is the key question you can ask for yourself. What has some attraction for you? What have you always wanted to learn about, but you just said, I don't have enough time because it's all available now. What it create, what creates passion in you? What would create more interest with those people that I interact with on a normal, regular basis, if I knew just a little bit more about something, I'd be able to carry on a more in-depth and better conversation. What happens is you create a profound interest to others, and you can just actually turn yourself around and make yourself a beautiful person from a social standpoint. If you learn just a little bit about what's interesting to other people and you can participate in that conversation a little bit, you know, don't, don't bounce around between being an introvert and an extrovert. Just find some middle ground where you can participate in a conversation. This is an amazing principle. When you're interesting, you attract interesting people. Think about that. When you're interesting, 
you attract interesting people. And you don't have to be so much as interesting as you have to be interested. So if you're interested in what other people are interested in, you can ask questions, carry on a conversation, and build deeper bonds. So in your strategic time with yourself, block out some time to build your intellect and make yourself a little bit better in some areas you think would make yourself a better conversationalist with the people that you are going to be talking to or hanging out with. That's your leadership lesson for this week. We're better than before. Sponsored by University Subaru. And right now, when you get a new Subaru during the Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to a charity in need. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. I'm Tony Richards, your host, along with Chief Producer Bill Foster and Associate Producer Whitney Coker, wishing you the best. And remember, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.